Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's been a really rough decade for the electric guitar. Sales of new instruments have dropped by a third, from 1.5 million globally to around just 1 million. Why? Well, generations brought up on electronics are opting out of creating music with traditional instruments like the guitar. Instead, they use laptops and iPads and gears like Ableton Live and any number of programmable keyboard devices. Most guitars today are being bought and sold by older players, and there are fewer and fewer of them each year. And all of this has hurt manufacturers like Gibson, who filed for bankruptcy in 2018. It's hurt music stores, both big and small. It's hurt music teachers who have fewer students. And this whole thing sounds pretty dire, right? Well, maybe. But there is one bright spot. There has been a steady rise in the number of young women taking up the electric guitar. According to Fender, women now make up at least 50% of all beginner guitar players in North America and the UK. In Southeast Asia, that number is more like 70%. Now, that's interesting, given that it wasn't all that long ago that it was accepted fact that a girl could not play an electric guitar. Well, maybe they could play it, but certainly not as good as a guy, right? That attitude abounded through the 70s and 80s. But today, happily, that is no longer the case. The intimidation factor is gone. Women are marching right into male-dominated music stores and buying guitars. Some take traditional lessons, but others are using online tutorials so they can avoid any hassles and harassment. And the result of all this is that we are seeing more female guitar heroes. You no longer have to be a dude to be a guitar role model. And those are the people that we're going to explore in this episode. This is Modern Guitar Heroes Part 2, The Women. This is the Ongoing History of New Music Podcast with Alan Cross. The Pretenders featuring Chrissy Hind, one of the great alt-rock female role models and guitar heroes. She loved the guitar from the time she was a kid. With few female role models, she looked to the guitarist employed by James Brown. She loved Alice Cooper and the Stooges and Jeff Beck. When she was in her early 20s, she moved from Akron, Ohio to London and immersed herself in the early punk scene. She wrote for the music magazine The NME, and she hung out with people like the Sex Pistols and The Clash while trying to get a band off the ground. There were several before the Pretenders finally took hold in 1978. The free-for-all, anyone-with-the-guts-to-get-up-on-stage-and-say-something attitude of punk gave her the opportunity to show that she could play a guitar just like one of the guys. Now, again, this was the 1970s. There was this tremendous bias against female players. The sexism was awful. But Chrissy fought through it and in the process became a role model herself. In 1984, she published something called Chrissy Hines' Advice to Chick Rockers. Google it. It uh, certainly makes for some interesting reading. Her favorite guitar is the Fender Telecaster. She has several, although there is one Strat in her collection. Amps are from Fender and Ampeg, and even though she's nearly 70, she is still going. I have nothing but admiration for this person. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and this is part two of a program on modern guitar heroes. Part one was all about the dudes, and this time the women get their turn. Now, I should qualify something. There were female guitar heroes before the punk era. It's just that they were so few and far between. 
Joan Jett and Lita Ford from The Runaways had to endure terrible sexism, but they persevered. Kim Fowley, who was the manager of The Runaways, actually prepared the band for playing live by having the road crew throw junk at them, bottles, paper, whatever, while they were rehearsing, just so they knew what they were getting into. Nancy Wilson of Heart, great hard rock and guitarist. Joni Mitchell, an astounding player in her day. Listen to albums like Blue and Court and Spark and your jaw will drop at her technical mastery. We can probably include Bonnie Raitt on this list too. And we can go back even further. Wanda Jackson, the country guitarist sometimes called the female Elvis Presley. Then there's Sister Rosetta Tharp. She was a queer black woman in the 1940s who burned through blues, jazz, gospel, and early rock. And if somebody deserves to be called the godmother of rock and roll, it's her, Sister Rosetta Tharp. But for the purposes of this program, we're going to focus on modern female guitar heroes, which is to say, those who emerged after the alt-rock explosion of the 1990s, or at least had an impact during that time. Now, it's worth repeating that punk rock was liberating for women when it came to being on a level playing field with the dudes. This is where we run into the Cramps, featuring the husband and wife team of Lux Interior and Poison Ivy. He was the singer... She was the guitarist. The Cramps were from New York, and they got deep into punk and psychobilly, a twangy sort of bluesy garage rock that sounds like it belongs in a B-grade horror movie. Hell, Lux and Ivy pretty much invented psychobilly. Early on, the band didn't have a bass player. It was entirely up to Ivy to hold things down. They played CBGB a lot and had a cult following until Lux died of an undiagnosed cardiovascular condition in 2009. That was the end of the band. Lux and Ivy had been together for 37 years. Poison Ivy's real name was Christy Marlena Wallace. She was originally from California and started playing the guitar early. Her favorite was one made by a Canadian guitar maker named Bill Lewis, and that gave way to a 1958 Gretsch hollow body run through some Fender Pro Reverb amps. Let's have a listen to some early cramps. In 1980, they released an album called Songs the Lord Taught Us. It featured a bunch of covers, including an old Willie John song that had become a hit for Peggy Lee in 1958. This will give you an idea of Ivy's guitar style. He said, Julie, baby, you're blame, you give me fever. The Cramps, featuring guitarist Poison Ivy, and that's from 1980. Opportunities for female guitarists continued to open up throughout the 1980s, and by the time Gen X pushed into the mainstream, there were more women than ever rocking out with guitars. And one of those people was Kelly Deal. She's the twin sister, 11 minutes older, of Kim Deal, bass player of the Pixies. When Kim became frustrated with not being able to contribute more to the Pixies, she formed an almost all-female band called The Breeders with Kelly on lead guitar. There was one album called Pod, and then an EP entitled Safari. And then in August 1993, a record called Last Splash. This thing exploded, thanks mainly to a single called Cannonball. Now, before we have a listen to this, there is a mistake in this song. In the rehearsals for the recording sessions, bass player Josephine Wiggs kept hitting the wrong notes during the intro. And when the guitar came in, she just corrected herself. But because the rest of the band thought this mistake at the beginning was so cool, they kept it. It's really obvious now that you know what to listen for. Yeah. 
The Breeders, featuring guitarist Kelly Deal. Now let's get back to her. She was originally a drummer from the age of eight. And at one point, she was almost drafted in to join the Pixies with her sister as the band's drummer. But after hanging out with them, she realized that she just didn't have the chops. By the time the Breeders came along, Kelly had a job with a defense contractor, complete with a top-secret clearance. But Kim, who really wanted to make the Breeders a thing, convinced her to join as a guitarist. So, she started playing the guitar for the first time at age 30. A year later, the Breeders were off touring with Nirvana. I mean, she's my hero for just doing that, picking up a brand new instrument at age 30. Her gear consists of just two guitars, both Les Pauls, and that's about it. A couple of amps, a few effects pedals, and she's good. Next up is Danita Sparks. She was, is, the guitarist for L7, the grungy all-female band that jumped to prominence around the same time as Nirvana. They were one of the hardest-working, hardest-rocking female bands of the era. Danita grew up in Chicago as a fan of both the Ramones and the Beach Boys. She was partial to the B-52s, too. And it was a fascination with surf music that eventually drew her out to California when she was 19. When L7 was formed in 1985, there were a lot of blank faces in the audience. Nobody really knew how to deal with a group of punky women playing sludgy rock. It really was a new niche for alt-rock. Over the years, they became known for being as fierce and occasionally as gross as any all-male band out there. The word was that you did not mess with L7, Danita in particular. There was a particular incident at the 1992 Reading Festival that got very weird. You can Google that. And that same year, she dropped her pants during a live TV appearance in the UK. In 1992, they released their third album, which was their breakthrough. It was called Bricks Are Heavy, and it was produced by Butch Vig, the same guy who did Nevermind with Nirvana. This was the big single. From 1992, that's L7 and Pretend We're Dead, featuring the vocals and guitar of Danita Sparks. She also wrote that song. Danita's favorite guitar is a Gibson Melody Maker from 1963, although she is also partial to a particular flying V. As for amps and cabinets, she's all about Marshalls and high watts. More modern female guitar heroes coming up, and next up, representation from the Riot Girl movement. This is part two of a look at modern guitar heroes. The first half was all about the dudes. Now we're looking at the women who have become role models because of their guitar playing. The Riot Girl movement was a very important component to the whole alt-rock explosion of the 1990s. These were all-female, or at least mostly female, groups from the Pacific Northwest. The subculture that grew up around this music was very political, very feminist, very queer positive. It was anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-violence against women, lots of zines and chapters that promoted activism and support groups, and several groups rose to international prominence when it came to the riot girl indie rock scene, and that included Sleater Kinney, a trio of women out of Olympia, Washington. Out front was Carrie Brownstein. She started taking guitar lessons at age 15. Her first guitar was the first thing she ever had to save up for and pay for by herself. Sleater Kinney came about while she was at university. They stuck it out for about a dozen years, broke up in 2006, and then reformed in 2014. During the first go-around, Carrie got quite a bit of notice for her guitar playing. She was even singled out by Rolling Stone. She's also a writer, a blogger, and an actor. 
She's done really well with the show Portlandia, co-starring Fred Armiston. She played the role of Sid in the series Transparent. You might have seen her on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And she's been a voice on both Archer and The Simpsons. Oh, and there's been more music, too, including some soundtracks and a couple of bands outside of Sleater Kinney. But let's have a listen to something from 2015. The album is called No Cities of Love, and this is Bury Our Friends. Sleater Kinney for 2015 in their reunion period with Bury Our Friends and featuring guitarist Carrie Brownstein, Vox Amps, and usually a Gibson SG, which is her signature guitar. Next up is Ani DeFranco. Let's call her an alternative folk singer. She emerged out of Buffalo at the tail end of the 1980s with a special type of activist approach to songwriting. There was punk and jazz and folk and hip-hop and funk. It's all in her playing. And from the very beginning, she did everything herself through her own label, Righteous Babe Records. Now, remember, this is the 90s, the old days when the music industry was completely dominated by major labels. Ani wanted to be independent. She would have nothing to do with that major label culture and turned out to be very successful in swimming against it, which alone makes her a hero in the eyes of her fans. Ani has a passive-aggressive style of playing. She uses all sorts of open tunings and often wears finger picks that she tapes to the fingers of her right hand. The guitar might be acoustic, but she's always finding ways to make things more percussive. And the way her vocal melodies dance around her guitar might make you think a little bit of Joni Mitchell. This is from her 1990 self-titled debut album. It's called Both Hands. And I'm walking out in the rain And I am listening to the low moan of the dial tone again And I am getting nowhere with you and I can't let it go and I can't get through From Buffalo, that's Ani DeFranco with Both Hands. Okay, we're going to stay with acoustic guitars for a second with this from Gabriela Quintero. She's one half of the duo Rodrigo y Gabriela. They're from Mexico City. I've seen them perform a bunch of times and they are amazing. Yes, they are primarily into classical infused material with a big dollop of flamenco, but they can also rock out The last time I saw them live was at the 2018 Skookum Festival in Vancouver. They finished their set like this, and watching them, especially Gabriella, was absolutely magical. Some stunning guitar work by Gabriela Quintero playing with her partner Rodrigo Sanchez. If you're a guitarist, look for their videos online and watch especially how percussive Gabriela is with her playing. More guitar heroes of the double X chromosome persuasion coming up. We're looking at female guitar heroes on this episode, most specifically those who rose to prominence since the punk years and through the alt rock explosion of the 1990s. I have two more women for our list. First, it's Ellie Rosell of Wolf Alice. This woman not only loves to rock out, but she also wants to share the experience. In 2018, she sent out a tweet before a gig in Scotland asking, any gals want to play my guitar part in Moaning Lisa's Smile tomorrow so I can stomp around the stage? Serious question. Her fans love her for stuff like this. She wants more women to dare to be rock stars. 
Here's a quote from Ellie. There are many aspects of life that need more women in them, and rock and roll is certainly one. So good philosophy. And so when Gig Night came around, a 15-year-old girl named Jade came up on stage, took Ellie's guitar, and wowed the audience. You know, woman, man, I don't care. If you were a young person in the audience that night and you saw what could be done in front of 10,000 people, wouldn't you be inspired to pick up an electric guitar? And wouldn't Ellie become your hero? And it's working. Ellie says that every night some young woman comes up to her and says, hey, it's because of you I'm playing the guitar. Wolf Alice featuring guitarist Ellie Rosell. Okay, one more. And if you've been wondering when I'd finally get around to St. Vincent, here you are. Annie Clark, which is St. Vincent's real name, began a slow ascent years ago and has been getting better and better and better with each album. If there's a female equivalent to Muses Matt Bellamy, it's probably her. Sometimes she works out her solos on a MIDI keyboard and then learns them for the guitar. She has a collection of fuzz pedals that she combines in weird ways to make her guitar sound like something other than a guitar. And speaking of that instrument, she is so revered by other guitarists, she is one of the few people, and and seriously, the only woman I can think of, who has her own custom signature guitar built just for her. It's called the Ernie Ball Music Man St. Vincent Signature Model. And I had a chat with her about it. Okay, let's get into a little bit of guitar gear porn here. What's what's it? Okay, describe the guitar. The guitar, so it, it kind of looks like a retro future Klaus Nomi <laughs> like, uh, uh, experience. It's um, it's really lightweight because, um, you know, again, I'm putting my 20 plus years of guitar playing into making this guitar. So it's I'm a small person, so I made it very lightweight. I made it very comfortable to play either standing or sitting. Um, it comes in lots of different colors. It has... Um, Did you look for a particular tone or sound? I looked for tone flexibility. So um, I it has three mini humbuckers mm. and um, a kind of convoluted but very cool pickup configuration. So it has basically all the tone flexibility you want. I, I honestly, I haven't played another electric guitar since... I designed this guitar. And that's not because I'm contractually obligated to anything. It's purely because I love this guitar and I don't, it, it is wonderful. And it's, it's exciting to see because um, players in all kinds of different uh, genres are playing it. Like Jack White played it on SNL. Tom Morello has one. I've seen like, we make an all black version. That's like the stealth version, which is for metalheads. You know, like metal dudes play it. There's country players who are playing it. It's really cool. It's a really flexible guitar. And it, that's the it's the flexibility that attracts them to. The... Yeah, and I think it because it's um, it's an unorthodox um, it's an unorthodox shape. It's a new shape, basically. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing that people are either going to love or hate because it's you know it's new. Different, yeah. It's different. Do you consider yourself a guitar hero? You kind of fall into that category now. I don't. I don't think about that in, in those terms ever. I, I really don't. It's, it's. It would be a strange thing for me, like psychically, to. 
But you got to know that there are young kids looking up to you, seeing you play this guitar in the way that you play it, playing your own guitar, thinking, I would like to do that one day. I mean, great. I'm so excited if kids want to play guitar. It's the best thing. St. Vincent and Los Angeles from her 2017 album, Mass Seduction. If you're looking for more female guitar heroes, there are quite a few to explore. There's the Mighty Cat, who can shred faster than 99% of anybody out there. Jennifer Batten, who toured with Michael Jackson, played Eddie Van Halen's parts on Beat It when Jackson played live. There's Ritzy Bryan from The Joy Formidable, Anna Calvi, Emma Ruth Rundle, Deborah Coleman, Felicia Collins toured with some big names and was part of the house band on David Letterman for years. There's Bibby McGill, who is one of Beyonce's go-to musicians. Nita Strauss, who plays with Alice Cooper. Oh, and Orianthe. Her versions of Jimi Hendrix songs are outstanding. Listen to this. Because I'm a virgin. That's wild, right? Here is hoping that women like these will continue to inspire not just young women, but young men into picking up an electric guitar and rocking out. Podcast editions of the show are available through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and every other podcast platform you can think of. Just search for Ongoing History and you'll find them. I have a website, which is ajournalofmusicalthings.com. It's updated every day, and you should also get the free newsletter that comes with it. Plus, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you prefer old-fashioned email, find me through alan at alancross.ca. We'll see you next time. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.